0: Good morning. Sean, Coco, thank you guys so much. Can we just give these guys a round of applause? Coco is could have very easily given birth this morning up there. That's what you have to realize. When we when we have to come in this morning and serve, I'm like, oh I'm tired, Coco could have possibly given birth, so thank you for serving so diligently. <laughs> I'd have been like, no, you stay up there and worship. <laughs> you finish it. <laughs> guys, it really is a blessing. What you guys do for this house doesn't go unseen. And your reward will be ever so great. And I thank you. I really do. You serve so diligently and allow us to step into more and more. Worship is phenomenal. And I know that it's, it's all of us that go into that place, that worship, that I step into that thing. But these guys diligently seek him to lead us into that place. So well done. and Thank you. I was feeling this during during worship, and I just want to I just want to say this. You don't have to do anything. You get to decide what you want to do. God created us, us in such a way that we get to decide with our own free will everything that we want to do. So much so that in the perfection of the garden, they could still, Adam Eve could still make the decisions. You get to decide. I'm not going to tell you what you can and you can't do. However, as we search the Scriptures, we find out that there is a way for us to live in a perfection, the way that we were created with God. There is a pattern and a plan that if we strive to walk on that thing, we can actually walk in a place of abundance with God. I just feel like this, uh, there's, there's something here where, where guys don't want to follow a list of rules and regulations. That's not what this is. It's a striving to know the Creator God so much that we know how we were created and we can operate out of that place. It's like flipping through a a coffee machine manual to really work out how to use it so that we can get the best coffees out of it. That's what this thing is all about. That in those moments, in those sweet moments with God that we just had, in that moment where He wants to speak to you, that's what this thing is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. A communication with the Father. A face-to-face with Jesus. That's what this thing is all about. Whether you want to or not, as a church leader, you you, you look at the clock and go, well, it's 9.30. <laughs> There's seven of us here. God, what are you doing with us? And then he, he shows up in such a way that I go, that's what you're doing. When guys aren't here, I don't get grieved in my heart because because I, I want the building full so that I can feel better about myself. I get grieved because I go, you missed that, what we just had. By not being here, you missed that. I used to get frustrated when I, when I was a, a youth because you know the, the church leader was always pushing me to come to church. And whether his heart was right or wrong, now I understand why. Because I want to stand with my brothers and sisters in that place. We don't want you here because you serve or because you fill up a seat. I I couldn't give many hoots about that. What I do care for is us as a family receiving God. That's what's important to me. So when I'm watching the door going, man, I hope everybody's here because I know God's going to show up. You haven't missed it. If you're still holding on to that addiction, you haven't missed it. God doesn't work like that. I showed up this morning, you weren't there. But you could have broken it off earlier. So if you are at home and you're listening to this, I want you to come next week and, and say, hey, I, I want to I step into that thing. I want prayer for that. It's not, a, it's not a movie line where you miss the boat so you don't get to see the movie again. God will break that thing off your wife because he wants you free from it. He wants you free more than you want to be free. Sometimes we wrestle with the fact whether I actually want to be free or not. Because we kind of like that thing that we're holding on to. As much as it's ruining our life, we kind of like it. We like a little bit of chaos. But I just feel like God's saying, this isn't a list of rules. I have a perfect way for you. And if you'll seek me, I'll show you what it is. Is that okay? Spectacular. All right. I'm going to preach this morning... In the next few mornings, I don't know how many mornings, we'll see how we go, about our vision. Now, yes, this will be about the third or fourth time that I've preached this, but I know there's guys here who haven't heard it, and I know there's guys here who haven't picked it up. I, I just want to make this clear, that this isn't a vision that, that Jess and I have, and we're hoping that you'll help us achieve our vision. God has given us this vision for this house, that when you enter in, you become a, a co-owner in that vision. It's not Jess and my vision, it's God's vision. He gave it to us to carry and to steward and to bring it into fulfillment. But when you join this house and you say, Ben, I'm making this place my home, you join that vision with us. Does that make sense? I see a few head nods, good. It's not you guys helping Jess and I achieve our vision and we'll get to your vision once ours is done. That's not how this works. That's why I say to people, don't chop and change churches so often because you're actually missing the point as to what's happening. God's called you here to help this house achieve what God's asked us to achieve. Us, all of us. So yes, God gave the vision to Jess and I and he laid it on our hearts, but now we're trying to steward it and build into so that you guys can help achieve what God wants to do through this house in the city. Does that make sense? So what we need to understand is when we go into a house, into a church, and we say, God, where do you want to put us? A part of that where do you want me is understanding what God's called those people to do because your heart will align with what that is and you'll become an effective person in that house. Church is not about the Sunday morning. This is a way for us to achieve the bigger picture, which is in our everyday life. We have to remember that there's a journey we're on. And this is the, this is the, the, the journey we believe God called us to nearly two years ago. Edith, two years ago? I, every time someone asks me, I change the number. I'm like, oh, we're a year and six months in, we're two years in, we're a year, I don't, I'm not really sure. It's close to two years. Edith knows. This is what God put on our hearts. To reform the church by shifting our focus back onto Jesus Christ, to disciple the people and take our mission out into the city, the nation and the nations. We want to reform what the local church looks like. I think, not being cynical, but I think on the Gold Coast, we have vastly lost our focus so I want to change the church back to what she was always meant to be. The original understanding in the New Testament of what the church was meant to be, the ecclesia, the called out people. And I think we do that by shifting our focus. We are very inward focused people, especially in the West. We look at ourselves, what's, what's important to me, what's in it for me, where is it for me, 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 me. But the focus in the New Testament we always see, even as Paul preached, he preached Jesus The gospel of Jesus, it's all about Jesus. So we read in the scriptures, let's make it about Jesus, let's make it about Jesus, let's make it about Jesus. But then we get into the church and we make it about me. I want to shift, we want to shift that and change our focus in order to disciple each other so that we can take the mission and go out. There's a church in Texas called uh, The Upper Room. And they have a fantastic, on the way out of their building, in massive big letters, it says, go therefore, go. Remember that what you've, what you've been in here, what we just carried here, when we leave here, you go and you take that out. You don't wait to come back to get more. You, you've, you've been given something now and you go and you take that out. Just about every church you go into, in their vision will have disciple and mission because you really can't get around those two. When you flip throughout the scriptures, go into all the world and make disciples. So most of us will put that in there because we want to, we we need to cover those two boxes. But I really felt like God was saying to us when we, when we, um, when He called us in to lead this church, I felt like He was saying to us, you have to change the way that we do things, to focus back on Christ, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But I just want to, I just want to, if you can, go to uh, Proverbs 20, 29, verse 18. Proverbs twenty uh, nine eighteen, 18, verse 18 and 19 says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish, but blessed is he who keeps the law. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. And then if you've still got your Bible, go to Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk is a book in the Bible. Might be, you might hear the fresh page open. I only know Habakkuk well because my dad was going to name my brother Habakkuk and we used to pay him out all the time. It was hilarious. Yeah. Imagine that, hey? What are you calling for short, Habby? <laughs> Classic. Old Habs. Habakkuk 2, 2-3. to three. I'm just going to read 2 first. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Tablets, once as tables, classic, that he may run that he may run that reader. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that read it. So the first two verses, talking about vision. That verse in Proverbs 20, 29, 18 and nineteen, that word prophetic isn't actually in the original text. But what they get that from is the word vision. And what the word vision's vision is, is it means Oracle a, a, a word from God everything that we do in our life, everything that we do should come from from God from the Word of God. We see Jesus say that he never did anything he didn't see the father do. So when we talk about vision, this is not vision that that I've sat down and and written in all my knowledge of what I've read throughout the scriptures I believe truly and you you get to decide whether whether this is true for us or not, but I believe truly that God gave this to me as an oracle, as a, as a word from him unto what we're going to do here. So I have to, it's, it's not, I haven't thought up the four buzzwords and said, okay, these are the four words that I believe is going to get more people in here. I truly, in my heart, believe that God gave me this mandate which operates out of those four areas. Reformation, focus, discipleship, mission. I didn't sit down and come to it. Why is that important? Because the vision that this, these two verses are talking about is the oracle, the revelation from God, that it comes from heaven unto the earth. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, 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 the other verse that I want to touch on, verse 2, 20, 21, and 22 of Ephesians says... Build on the foundation of the apostle and prophets; Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom your whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God the Spirit. I believe truly that that build on the on the uh, the apostle and the prophet. Both of those gifts talk about a clear uh, a clear line to God, a conversation line. Those two gifts. The, the apostle carries the picture. He went, uh, an apostle would go into a city and establish that city in the way of the Caesar. Okay, it was, a, it was an understanding of how God moved and operated within the city. Sorry, I could feel bugs running down. Builder, you're welcome. Build on the apostle and the prophet. It's building on the oracle, the vision, the conversation from God. Everything we hear, we build on on what God's done for us. So when we're sitting and talking about how we move the church forward and where we go, it has to be done unto what God is saying to us. Not caught in a culture or a buzzword or what's going to get us more people in. As you guys will have seen, liberty has has planned up the road. And... As I've, I've said before, when it first came, I was, I was a little bit upset. Now I'm so excited by that. I really am. I, I, I'm not just saying that I'm excited. Why? Because, because if there's more churches, hopefully there's more Jesus. Hopefully they're preaching. If they're just down there singing about Jesus, I'm excited by that. If that place falls over and they spill over and we start, we start having people on the streets and they're preaching Jesus, fantastic. That's awesome. Now... Am I going to start a turf war and go a little bit further than their sign and put another sign? No. Why? Because I'm not selling sandwiches. I believe that I believe that I believe that every person who sits in a chair here has been called to help further this vision. And God will bring them through that door. Yes, we have a website. Yes, we have directions and a phone line. But I truly believe that God, if you want these people, bring them in. Bring those who are meant to be here. I don't want bums on seats. I want guys sold out for you who want to come and say, hey, I think God's calling to you. What's he asking of you, you guys? What's your vision? What's he saying? Go, this is what it is. Man, I I want to help. How do I help? They're the people I want to see come through that door. So I haven't put in an order for a a blowy man to put out the front. Or have I? No, I haven't. (laughs) It's not about that. That's not what we're here to do. I'm, I, I, I truly believe when we say, "Hey, how do we, how do we, um, how do we get more people in here?" We're going to do it on Thursday night. We're going to come here and pray. That's how we do it. And I promise, we don't pray. We, we don't pray. We don't stand around for four hours and pray. God, please send more people. We say, God, what's your will for us? What do you want from us here? Where can we push forward into? Where, what, what's the influence that you're building in the city? Where can we who are the relationships? Who are the people? God we, we, we need more to help us with this. Send somebody who can, who can operate in that sphere. We, we, we want to reach we, we want to reach human traffickers. send somebody who can operate in that sphere. The building of his house, the, the reality of the building of his house is done in here on our knees. Yes. We are changing the logo and changing our sign and changing things, not to make us look better, but because I, I, I want to honor what God's giving us. And I want to say, God, it's not, I, I want to tidy my house. God, you've given me a, a rental, so I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to steward the thing you've given me. And then you'll call us into more. I want to have an app that we can use. Why? So we can start to, to pray for one another better. We can get the sermon so that guys can start listening to it and holding on to it. It's not about, well, we've got a fancy app. If it doesn't help us, we get rid of it. If it doesn't help us continue on this vision, we get rid of it. But the end of Habakkuk says this: for the vision is yet. Oh, sorry, let me just let me let me back up a little bit to the end of Habakkuk 2, 2, 3, the end of that. Verse, uh, verse 2. It says, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets, that he may run who read it. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be delving into the Scriptures pardon me, to explain our vision. But it's worth nothing if we don't pick it up and run with it. All of us, not just Jess and I, all of us must pick it up and run with it. So over the next few days, the next few weeks rather, I want you to be praying. God, is this the vision you have me in? Is this what you want me forwarding? Now that's going to be that's that's scary for a church leader to say. Why? Because what if half of you put your hand up and say, "Hey, we felt God say this isn't the vision for us." Awesome. Let me help you find where your vision is, because if you're here trying to Outwork a vision you're not called to, you're going to frustrate us and you're not where you should be. So they're missing somebody. You see, that's how the body was meant to work. It's not meant to be, oh, these are our people, they're your people. It's meant to be, where has God got you? Because you'll know how to operate in that place. If you're sitting here and God doesn't have you here, somebody's missing who you are, somebody's table's empty. That's a scary thing to say, I say again, because because what if all of us, 90% of us put our hand up and say we feel called to another table? I have to deal with that with God. So where do I go? Back to the carpet, back on my knees and say, Father, do you really have me here for this? If so, send me the people who are here to help my table, to sit around the table you've given me. That's the reality of the body of Christ. It's not about just picking a church that's close to your home, that's close to to. Uh, your school or, or that you can get to easily or that has the nice things. It's about, God, what vision do you want me here helping you serve? And then go and do it diligently until he moves you on. Is that okay? Is anyone scared? Is anyone okay? Okay. <laughs> Good. We have to run with it. If this is your home, if this is where God's called you, if this is the vision you've called to outwork, run with it. And well done to those who do that, really. I know that Jess and I don't get to say thank you and and cheer everybody on, but man, there's so many of you guys that, that diligently serve in this house. And I don't just mean on a Sunday morning, I mean week to week, just helping us put stuff back together. Dan was here almost all day Saturday helping us sand and paint a room upstairs. Josh, was, Josh and I were here last night at like, what, eight, nine o'clock nearly putting stuff back together after we've been sanding and and trying to ready upstairs. So there's so many guys here. This, This thing is a family. As I said, it's sitting around a table. The final end of Habakkuk says this, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Pause. How can you say though it tarry, but it will not tarry. Quick little Bible reading note. That doesn't make sense. Okay, it's contradictory. So you have to think through yourself, If does the Bible contradict itself? No, I don't believe it does. So I need to look at this and go, there's something wrong here. I'll tell you what's wrong is that when they translated this, for some reason, and I do not understand why, the King James Version left that tarry, and tarry is the same word, but when you go back to the, the Hebrew word, they're different. Though it may tarry, the first one is, is the Hebrew word marha, H4102, and it means to linger or delay. And the last word tarry there is the word okha, H309, and it means to loiter, be late, or be behind. So when you understand what words they're actually using there, what it's being translated through, it will say this. For this vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it may linger or delay, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not be late or be behind. So you have to understand that when you read through something, when you see it, there's a reason why something's happened. Along the translations, we've missed some things. We've got confused a bit. That's why it's important to dig a little deeper. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Everyone picks up what I'm saying. Fantastic. It's not the same word. Different. Spectacular. Back to the verse. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. If a vision is truly from God, it will not lie. If someone says to you, I believe this thing is from God, and it truly is, it will be fulfilled. Why? Because God's not a liar. He's not going to tell you something that's not going to come through. The trick is is that in our day and age, God tells everybody to do everything. That's the single most difficult thing to deal with when someone says God told me to do this. Well, you've checkmated me, brother. I can't I can't give you any advice in that because you've already said that that the creator of the universe has told you to do it. So, good luck. I hope it speaks true. When we say that I hope it speaks true, it means that God truly spoke to you, therefore it came to pass. It will not lie. If God's given you something, it will come to pass. But wait for it. So often I think we see guys with, and we see this all the time, God told me to do something, so I'm going here. And then we get there and we go, no, it didn't happen. God told me to be back over here. And then we get back over there and they're like, "Uh, it's not happening. Uh, God's told me to be here. And you're like, hey, what's going on here? Has God told you all those things and you're not waiting? You should still be over here. If he truly told you to be over here and he hasn't moved you on, wait. And if he's called you into something, it will come to pass. It will speak for itself. There's times where I've had to say to guys, hey bro, I I can't explain it to you, I don't understand. But this is what I felt God tell me to do, so I'm just going to wait here for this. And every time I've truly had that heart-wrenching spirit moment where I go, I know this is God, every time it's come to pass. Yes, there's been times where I've been pumped up, and be like, God's telling me to do this. And then I get there and I go, I don't think he did. Actually, I fluffed it. He didn't tell me to do that. We have to be honest with ourselves in that. If God's given you something, it will come to pass if it's truly from Him. But times we have to wait for it. I believe, guys, that God, I truly believe in in all that I am. I believe God has given this house a purpose and a plan and the vision for it is that we're going to shift the understanding of church in this city and in this nation. People say, yeah, but there's 70 or 60 of us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that there is a time that's coming. I know that it's, it's for an appointed time. And I know that at the end of this, it will speak true and it won't lie. It might be lingering or delayed now, but I know that I'm going to wait for it because it will surely come and it will not be late. What God has for us in this place will be exactly when it needs to be. But we have to steward the time that it seems to be lingering or delaying. We have to steward that well. We can't just sit on our, on our hands and wait for God. I, I, Jess and I talk about this all the time, but I have a, a dream, if you'd like, that I, I really believe that God is going to give me a house one day of my own that I own. Ben and Jess's house. I believe it with all my heart. Now, I get two options. I can say God's going to give me a house and I say, babe, don't worry about working because God's going to give us a house. So stop working and we will stop saving for a house. We'll just wait for it because God's going to give it to us. I want to say that that to me is is the wrong choice because I go, God's going to give me a house, but the way he may give it is he may give it through a job to get finance to be able to purchase the home see we we sometimes we want god to be to be well god's going to give me a home so someone's going to knock on my door and say hey ben here's a title deed to a house flip i hope that happens for me (laughs) i'm yeah. (laughs) that believe it believe in it brother amen to that that's not wrong does that happen yes can it happen yes will god do that yes to some he will but while you're waiting for that knock on the door go and get a job And put away your $6 a week. And then you'll get a a pay rise and you might be able to put away $10 a week. And then you'll get a pay rise and you might be able to put away $100 a week. And now you're stewarding that finance to say, God, I'm believing for that knock on the door. But while I'm waiting, I'm saving for a deposit. And now I've got my deposit. I'm going to purchase the home I feel you've called me into. And while I'm paying off my mortgage, I'm still waiting for that knock on the door. God, I'm still still trusting you, but I'm stewarding the things he's giving me now. Sometimes God gives us a vision and we have to walk out the hard parts about it. He's given us a vision to build something. You've still got to go and buy the nails, buy the wood, learn how to build. You've still got to do all those things. It's not just going to sit on your hands and come to pass. God's given you a vision because he knows you have the ability to see it come through. Why do you have that vision? Because God gave it to me because my ability will see it come through. He can call somebody else if you don't want to do it, but he's called you because you have the skills and abilities. All throughout the Bible, we see men and women called into a place that they don't believe they have the ability to fulfill. Moses is my favorite. Prime example. Stuttering Moses. God, I can't lead the people out. I can't speak. All right, I'll give you Aaron. Oh, okay. Spectacular. See, God... He's given you something because it's your duty to fulfill, but you've got to it in a little thing. If he's given you a business idea, start to look at what that looks like. What's the name of it? Okay, cool, I've got a name. How do I get an ABN? Okay, cool, I've got an ABN. Wow, God, it's, it's, it's starting to work now. We have to be stretched into that vision. Oh, Brenda, you can put our slide up. <laughs> spectacular it's all right we're getting into that now i'm going to just do one and then i'll do the the next three next week this is our slide lucky jess isn't here because i made it thanks guys thanks i cheated she already had it she already had it pretty much out there i just had to make it a piece she designed most of it so okay the first one The first one that I want to speak about, which should have been up the top, is is reformation. This is the most important one that I believe. This is the one I feel so strongly for. Between this and our focus, I'm going to speak about them both interchangeably because they're the two that I truly, truly believe the church, especially in the Gold Coast, needs to step into. I don't mean reformation like the the, the Martin Luther Reformation that we've seen. That's not what I'm talking about. But the word reformation means to, to take something and to reform it the way it should be. That's what I think we need to do with the church. There is a, a, a desire and a need to replace what's been put here and reform it into what God has for us. One of the things that I feel strongly is that the traditions of men have crept into the church. We have made things law that don't need to be there. So there's certain elements in certain areas of the church that we're going, why do we do that? We do that because it's always been done that way. My, my my father-in-law tells a cracking story. He um he was in a church in a, in a Presbyterian church in um, somewhere out in the country, and when they would do communion, they had the communion table set up, and there was this special holy doily. I think that's what you call it, like a like a white uh, cloth that would get put over the communion, right? And for years and years and years it went on, but the doily became a problem because it was, it was always dirty. It was hard to find. There was no no one could work out when the doily was supposed to go on at a certain time in the service. And it was it was a bit of a tricky, tricky thing. Someone had to bring it out and cover it. In the end, my father-in-law went to the one of the oldest ladies in the church and he said, can you explain the doily to me? Why is this so important? And she said, it's not important. Before we had air conditioning in here and, and fly screens, it was so hot that all the windows would be open. And the out country Australia. So a ton of flies would come in. So she said, we got the doily to cover the communion because the flies would get in the in the, um, the juice. So we brought the doily in to get rid of the flies. But then generations after, the doily became this sacred thing that we couldn't remove. But it was meant there for the flies. So he goes, all right, well, we don't need that anymore because we have aircon and there's no flies in here. So take the doily off. But to get the doily removed was a massive... Explosion in the church. You can't touch the sacred doily. It sounds ridiculous, but we have that in here. There's things that we do that we go, but that has to be but how can you do that? You can't remove that. Why? Show me where it is in the scriptures. Well it's not there, but it's just how we do it. Like if if one morning we came in and I said, Hey guys, we're not gonna we're not gonna do any worship, we're not gonna do any preach, we're just gonna come in and have coffee, there would be a bit of a well, I wasn't really church this morning. Edith. Not from Edith. But you know what I'm saying. There's things in the church that we have brought in and we have begun to say this is, this is the way we do it. This is church. If you notice, we don't say welcome to church this morning. Why? Because the language is wrong. It, it's not welcome to church. We are the church. Now we'll go, yeah, I know that we're the church, but we can still say welcome to church. No, the language builds the culture. So when we say welcome to church, people will only be church in here because we've built that. Now, when we say welcome church, that's better language. Because we come together. We're the church scattered, but we're also the church gathered. We're the church in both instances. If, you've got a, if, you've, if, you, if you're bible and go to Luke for me, Luke verse 5. Luke verse 5, yeah, 36, 37, 38, and 39. Oh, sorry, Luke 5. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Luke chapter 5, verse 36, and we'll go in through to 39. Is it warm in here? The old corduroy corduroy, is burning me up. Thanks, thanks. As long as it looks good. Okay, Luke five, thirty-six. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new. And the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled. And the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. This verse to me is exactly the understanding of reforming the church. We have an old wineskin. And the thing for me is that it says here, it says, I won't, it doesn't say, I won't pour the fresh wine. It says, if I do, the new wine will burst. So we sometimes think that God's holding back because, because he won't pour it. He wants to pour it. God wants to pour the new wine out on his church. This thing that we feel stirring in Australia, that God's bringing something new. We, it, you, you look at a lot of prophets around the world. Any prophet that comes to Australia says the same thing. I've seen it across the board in so many different churches now. The same language, that, that there's something happening in Australia. Something's coming. I'll tell you, I think God's already ready to pour it. He's already holding the cup saying, Australia, here it is. This is the new wine I have for you, but I can't pour it. Because if I pour it, it'll explode the wineskin. So what's the wineskin? When Adam and Adrian were here, Adrian spoke about the fact that a concave vessel, throughout the scriptures, a concave vessel speaks of, the, of a man's heart. In, in, in dream... Um, Analogy and and in in the way that they explained a lot of the dreams and a way that he explained a lot of the scriptures. When we see a concave vessel in scripture, it means a person's heart. I truly believe that the wineskin that this verse is talking about is the hearts of the believers. Our hearts. What needs to be reformed, what needs to be changed is the hearts of the people. So that when God pours the new wine into who? His people. It doesn't burst our wineskin. I've been, I think I've told this story before, but at, at Crossing Point, we watched a, a young girl from a, um, from a, a very Reformed church, um, Brethren, the Brethren church, come to a meeting of a guy who was preaching. And the guy was operating in all kinds of, of healing and, and prophetic, and she didn't agree with any of it, to the point that she got healed. Her back, she had extreme back pain. The guy calls her out. No one knew she had back pain. We didn't know she had back pain. The guy calls her out and says, you've got back pain. She says, yeah, it's excruciating. He says, God's going to heal you. She says, I don't believe God heals. He says, he doesn't care. He wants you healed. I was like, well, this is going to go down. I was standing right behind her. He puts, it, he puts his hand on her head and says, he says, in Jesus' name, he wants you whole. And boom, her back pain leaves. She smiles, she's pretty pumped up, she stretches, she moves, everything's spectacular. "Ah, Pain's gone. And silly, silly, stupidly, he said to her, see, now you know my God heals. She looks him in the eye and she says, no, he doesn't. That wasn't my God. You see, the wine that was poured into that, she wasn't ready for. She didn't know how to handle it. She still operates today in a place of not believing that God heals and wants her whole and wants her well doesn't matter how much you see it doesn't matter how much you experience if your heart's not in the right place you're not going to receive what god has for you that's why the verse about about uh, the the seed being planted and it's called the, the the parable of the sower it should never have been called the parable of the sower it's the parable of the soil and it outlines the different soils that's a position of our heart our heart can be hardened our heart can be full of gravel you know the verse i'm talking about That's a position of our heart. It's a similar verse to what's being said here. It's a similar picture. When we actually desire to see the move of God and we open up our heart, we soften our heart, God will pour out on His people. The new wineskin, church, is us. Every one of us. Because when the new wine gets poured we don't just get to revel on it and drink of it in here. We actually get to take it out. And we become a vessel carrying the wine of heaven, the wine of God. That as you enter into all kinds of different places, you start pouring the fresh wine into a place. That when you enter into a household of somebody who's fighting, there's a a sweetness and an aroma that's carried because you're carrying the new wine. But you see, God wants us to ready ourselves and to pour into that place. So how do we ready our heart? Are ready for the answer? Right here, on our knees. Surrendered and yielded to the Holy Spirit. God, I'm willing to do it your way. You know why Jesus, when he says the prayer, he says, your will be done. Because for God's will to take place in your life, you have to lay down your own will. You see, God won't supersede your right to choose. He will not take away your free will. But you can't have two wills operating in the same place because it pulls against each other. One has to let go. One has to say, okay, we'll do it your way. For those of you who are married, understand that. At some point, we'll do it your way. We have to lay down our will in order for God's will to take place. But in the next verse, it says, no, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom, your will. Bring your kingdom and then we'll operate out of your will. We'll operate God in who you are. We have to yield to that. Our heart softens. Our heart softens in who we are. God wants to pour the new wine. Jeepers, it's four past eleven. Okay, go with me to, to Acts two four. I'll finish with this. Better get a Bible. This was a last minute note, so I didn't write the yeah. first down. Acts two. Uh, Acts 2, 42. Any knows where I'm going. The community of believers, every believer, every believer, this is after the spirit's come. The spirit's been poured out. The believers have yielded to the spirit. They've seen things they've never seen before. Tongues of fire have fallen, a rushing wind. They've seen amazing things. They've yielded to who the spirit is, and there's been an outpouring on them. Every believer was faithful. Sorry, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles, the the word from God, the voice from God. Their hearts were, were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. All the believers who were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had, Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of the people, and the Lord kept adding to the number daily those who were coming to life. I want to put it to you that this is a different context. They lived a walk's distance from each other. But what they carried was a community and a family to want to revel in God together. That's what this first highlights. I don't expect everybody to sell their homes and come and, and put a mattress down on the floor here. That's, that's not what I think we should do. I think there's, a, there's an understanding of the difference in culture between the two. But what we have to begin to understand was that they were living in a way submitted to God. And what that did in that submitting, it brought them all together because they all had the same thing in common, a submittance to Christ. But look at the things that are in that. They committed themselves. They devoted, faithfully devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to what God was saying to them through the apostles. They were mutually linked to one another and they shared communion. And coming together regularly for prayer. Guys, we don't have to put on a prayer meeting for you guys to come together regularly to pray. I know some of you do. It's phenomenal. That's what we need to keep doing. If you meet someone for dinner, pray. Make it your, 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 your um, uh, grace if you need to. Just say, anyone wants to pray, we're just going to pray for five minutes before we eat. But regularly coming together to pray. If someone rings you and has a problem, pray with them. Hey, uh, even if it's just two minutes, I just want to pray for you. Jess and I had a phenomenal experience uh, two weekends ago. We were meeting with some friends, the guys who lead Oasis Church, and meet after us, Ariel and Priscilla. And they said to us, before we were just meeting, discussing a few things, and Ariel said, do you mind if I pray for you? No, I'll take prayer, absolutely. So he gets up and he closes the office door. And he pulls out his phone and he put, just puts on some, some pads. For an hour and a half, they prayed for us phenomenal. Prophecy, just words like, it, it, it was amazing. And I prayed once and I was like, man, I don't know what to say. Can you just, just keep going? This is phenomenal. For an hour and a half. And then we went home and I thought, it, it, it went like that. We didn't expect it, but they had the diligence to just say, I want to pray with you guys regularly. Why? Because it builds us both up in the faith. Phenomenal. And I was, I was challenged by it. I was challenged by it because I go to so many meetings and very rarely do I pray for people. And I thought, man, that diligence is phenomenal. Well done. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had out of generosity. They even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Guys, sometimes we are in need in here. But it takes two things. If you're in need, you need to be talking with people. Let somebody know you're in need. Don't struggle with this thing on your own. It's a community, a family, sitting around the table. But also, if someone has need alongside you, give to them. Pour out on them. Daily they meet together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion, celebrate God. They share meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, thankfulness, honor, glory to you, God, for this time we're together, enjoying the favor of the people, and the Lord kept adding to them. Guys, that's, that's what we're trying to build here. We want to reform this place, reform the church to go back to what this looked like, back to a people who didn't argue about doctrine or theology, but actually came together and said, Hey, you love God. Yeah, you love God. Yeah. Jesus, your king. Yeah. Awesome. Let's eat together. Let's just, let's just revel in his goodness. Rather than arguing about scriptures together, let's just, let's just sit together and, and just say how good he is for the next hour. Thank him for who he is. Phenomenal. I want to end by saying this. Have a look around. Have a little peruse, peruse around. Look, there's people missing and I know there's a lot of guys sick right now. The flu has knocked a few of us for six. If there's someone you can't see here, call them. Not so that they're here next week so we get more people. See how they're doing. It's not just mine and Jess's job to look after everybody. It's all of our jobs. If you're a part of this home, if this vision is is, is something you're pushing, call somebody. Find out why they're not here. If they're they're ill, take them a soup. Maybe they're, they're not ill, but they're struggling financially and they just don't know how to leave the home at the moment. Pray with them. Let's begin to have each other's back. If, someone is, is, if you see someone's not, not getting loved on, don't come and tell me. God's shown you. So love on that person. And if you need some backup, then come and tell me and we'll come with you. Is that okay? Cool. We got through point one. Reformation. We're going to keep going. And, and, and at the end of this, I am going to talk through our finances as well because I, I want to celebrate with you guys. I want to celebrate in what God's doing, what, what God's speaking to you and what, what's happening with finances. Something is, is, has changed drastically and we've seen increase upon increase. So I want to share that with you guys as a part of what we're doing in this. Cool? Why don't we pray? Father, God, I thank you. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this house, for this family, Lord, that you've called us all to be a part of what you're doing here. I thank you that we get to be a small part of your massive story, God. That we get to be a, on a journey with you. That we get to sit with you face to face, be encouraged by you. I just thank you for that. I thank you for everything that we have, Lord. For all the bread you've given us, God. And I pray that you may increase our seed for sowing. Not for eating, but for sowing. So that more people can know the goodness of you. Not just our financial seed, God, but our understanding of health, of thankfulness, of joy. God, may there be an increase in the spreading of your joy. That depression just starts to fall off people in this city. That suicide numbers plummet because there's this, this joy carried by these people who are crazy, but they carry this amazing joy of this, this king named Jesus. May that begin to just spread, increase our understanding of joy so that we can increase it into this city. God, most of all, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done, what you're doing and for what you will do. We love you in this place. We honour you. And you are King, Jesus. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.